Greetings everyone, it's Britt, the Petite Polymath, back after quite a bit of a hiatus. And today we're going to be talking about the book Women Talking by Miriam Toes. Hi everyone, so uh, it's been a bit. Life has been filled with many things um, that did not include necessarily reading fiction, uh, much less having time for the podcast, but I'm back. Um, I would like to give a shout out to my friend Catherine for the book that she recommended. I was in Chicago for Memorial Day weekend, uh, and we were wandering through a used bookstore and happened upon this book that she'd read. And actually, she is an author herself, Catherine Lacey. A little shout out for her. You should check out her books uh, if you're looking for something new to read. Uh, so, Women Talking, uh, a, a novel by Miriam Toes, who is a Canadian author, um, actually of uh, Mennonite um, origin, who wrote this book. So, a quick synopsis. Women Talking is a fictional book that is loosely based on a real situation that occurred uh, in the early 2000s where uh, a Mennonite colony in Bolivia had a host of um, assaults of women uh, that initially was deemed spiritual violation or a figment of women's imagination when in honesty it was that women were being anesthetized by the men in their community and sexually assaulted. And I think it was mostly like adult women, but it could possibly have also involved uh, children as well. Uh, and this, of course, was such a travesty that the Bolivian government got involved and were able to, you know, to do legal proceedings against these men. It's just very disgusting and diabolical. Uh, and so this book is um, a fictional idea of maybe what would have happened in the aftermath of these women uh, facing the, the horribleness of their insular community. And uh, it's told from the perspective of a man, a narrator, named August Epps, who has been asked to take the minutes for the gathering of women as they begin to discuss what their options are going to be uh, after this, you know, crime. Uh, will they stay in their colony? Will they, you know, stay and do nothing? Will they fight or will they leave? And the women all have different opinions and discuss all of the pros and cons of each of those options. Um, the women are illiterate, and so August taking the minutes is kind of interesting since they can't read them, but that's neither here nor there. And he's an interesting narrator because he had been excommunicated from the colony as a child for reasons that become clear later in the novel, um, and then has been welcomed back um, after, for, this is not really a spoiler, after a stint in prison on, in the outside world. Uh, so he's already kind of an odd person out in this in this community. As a religious person myself, uh, this book brought up a lot of feelings. I think it's also a bit timely in the setting of kind of this Me Too aftermath 
uh, which has rocked maybe Hollywood um, and maybe to some degree some of the other like public spheres, maybe the politics, although, I mean, debatable, look at our president, um, but not uh, education, for example, or my field of work, the medical community, and definitely uh, in the world of faith, um, not just Christians, but other you know, other religions as well, denominations, a, mis a misnomer there, um, whether, you know, Muslim, uh, Jew, Judaism, or uh, Buddhism, uh, or any other sort of, of faith that has organized um, sex, this um, nastiness of misogyny and dominance uh, that is often uh, using religion to justify uh, the, the superiority of men um, and their power, and how women come to grips with that when navigating those spaces, how they internalize misogyny and then enact it on each other and themselves and uphold uh, the misogyny that the men have, have initially uh, instituted. I remember going out on a date randomly once uh, and this guy said to me that women were better than men, and I said, that's not true. And he kind of got huffy, and he said, well, we have wars, and we have um, greed, and all these things, and it's because men are in power, and I started laughing, and I said, well, women, if women were really better, they would have, they would have done their part to dismantle that, but they've helped uphold these things, which means they're not better, they're just different. And so even in this book, you know, all the women in this colony are not in these meetings. There are the quote-unquote do-nothing women who just want to move on with their lives and uh, act like nothing's happened. And, and there's this idea of forgiveness. Is forgiveness a passive thing? Or is forgiveness something that requires distance and... Uh, and the freedom to make decisions and to, and to protect oneself. Uh, I think this is something that comes up a lot with trauma, particularly people that have been victims of abuse, you know, whether it's emotional, sexual, physical, um, people who are survivors of, uh, of abusive systems, having to figure out what, what forgiveness looks like for them. This... Uh, confusion of forgiveness for license or forgiveness for excusing behavior and acting like it hadn't happened when it's actually uh, relinquishing the need for vengeance to a higher authority, but also maintaining very clear boundaries that you will not be victimized again, that you will not allow that to happen. And so there are a couple of... Uh, places in the book that I kind of marked that I thought were really striking. Uh, there is a bit about dreaming that I want to read. Uh, we are women without a voice, Ona states calmly. We are women out of time and place, without even the language of the country we reside in. We are Mennonites without a homeland. 
We have nothing to return to, and even the animals of Malochna are safer in their homes than, when, than we women are. All we women have are our dreams, so of course we are dreamers. And then another uh, time where they are uh, debating about forgiveness, and one of the women says, We do not have to be forgiven by the men of God, she shouts, for protecting our children from the depraved actions of vicious men who are often the very same men we are meant to ask for forgiveness. If God is a loving God, he will forgive us himself. If God is a vengeful God, then he has created us in his image. If God is omnipotent, then why has he not protected the women and girls of Malochna? If God and the book of Matthew, according to Peter's, our wise bishop, ask, let the children come to me and do not hinder them, then mustn't we consider it a hindrance when our children are attacked? Another thing I thought a lot about is, you know, there's been a lot of political um, uproar and upheaval with the various states, you know, churning out these abortion ban laws. And the rhetoric around this, you know, depend, depending on whether you are anti-abortion or, or pro-choice, legally speaking, um, that abortions for rape and incest are often like the, the, the rallying cry for people to have an emotional response for wanting to allow this to still be legal, you know, beyond just women not wanting to have a child for whatever other sort of reason. And these women, you know, if they're being violated, uh, there's a high chance of many of these women becoming pregnant. And their views on their children, the children conceived in these violent acts, there's like no question to them about the value of those children even though the way in which the child is conceived is, is heinous. Um, and I've thought a lot about this, you know, that throughout history, I would say up until maybe fairly recently, women having the agency over their sexuality, you know, to opt out of marriage, uh, to own property on their own, to get an education, to buy a home, to be celibate and that not necessarily be um, tethered to a religious vocation is, is fairly new. And even the concept of thinking that, you know, someone's husband can't rape their wife, like that was something that was said for years, that if you're married, anything's fair game and that it's not rape if the person's your spouse, well, where we know that without uh, consent, it's assault. Therefore, meaning that I would venture to say that a large portion of human beings that have walked this planet have been conceived in violent ways. And, and what that means uh, for, for the people who, for whom that is their origin story. You know, if, if we're going to say that that these children are reminders of shame and violence versus hope and something new. Um, I find that to be an interesting 
point to debate or at least to ponder. And, you know, I have no, no strong horse in this race. Um, I have a lot of opinions about abortion and, and I think that at the very end of the day, I think we're looking too far. We're looking at a, at a, at a symptom of something and not at the very root, which at its very root, this idea of, of women being substandard and not fully personed, uh, is, is the biggest issue here. And that that evil weasels its way into all sorts of things. And the vigilance that it requires for people to interrogate their, their views of, of gender and, and what a gender role is and, and if someone's uh, humanity um, is fully realized is very important that even in the midst of depravity and cruelty, the people who come through the other side of that, people who were victimized and yet then survived, are needing to reclaim and find agency and some semblance of power over themselves and their future. And I feel that this book is a very beautiful way of of how a survivor finds their voice um, and is able to be heard and has the space to think and have those thoughts articulated, um, even if not agreed with. And so I found this to be a very moving, um, a very moving novel. It also personally made me incredibly grateful for the men in my life who never made me feel less than, who always affirmed my intellect, my ambitions, my hopes, um, for a father who was fiercely, you know, in my corner and honors and respects my mother as an equal and a partner, um, and for, you know, a church and spiritual experience that supported that as well, because I know that's not everyone's story. I realize now how much of a gift that is, um, and I do not take that for granted. And I, I think that it helps me think a bit more critically about the ways in which we just kind of perpetuate and internalize these narratives um, of, of inequity that are not right when it comes to being a woman versus being a man. So I highly recommend Women Talking. You should read it. So I hope you enjoyed my thoughts on women talking. Um, if you'd like me to make a playlist um, inspired by the book, let me know, because I will do the labor if it will be worth it. Um, There's something I was going to say. Oh, yes, something that I'm enjoying. Um, I 
have been listening to Michelle Obama's autobiography on Audible. I've really enjoyed listening to her read it, even more so than probably I would have enjoyed just reading it myself. It's slower, but it's so, it's just, it's like being in the room with her. So if you're looking for something to listen to while you're, you know, doing your errands around the home, listen to Michelle Obama's autobiography, Becoming, on Audible, or whatever else you listen to books on. Bye!